Hello, my name is Alexander Morari, and I'm the founder of ITK Media. You've tuned to our podcast about Central and Eastern European startups that are in pre-series A or pre-seed stage. We think this is critical stage stages for every young company, and we want to support somehow these companies in their quest for first business successes, quest for investors or all combined. Our guest today is no other than Wojtek Burko, the co-founder of a company called Bait. The company uh, does very simple thing, basically. They try, you try to design and implement an algorithm for solving a relevant NP-complete class of problems using quantum computers effectively. Is that so? Yeah, and it, it's not trying. It's do or don't, there is no try. Uh, we are in this business for three years. However, the basic ideas now materialized in the form of the algorithms which we executed on different hardware, quantum computing hardware, quantum processors, uh, stem from my work since uh, early 90s at MIT, uh, where I got the quantum computing bug. Have you met, by the way, um, Scott Aronson? Oh yeah, several times in different conferences. Um, most recently, it was two years back at Q2B. Yeah, uh, we haven't frequented the Q2B in 2018, and this one uh, was uh, virtual. Uh, yeah, we were speaking alongside Honeywell. Let me just make a little little step back, back if I can. Uh, look, I'm sure that by the end of this podcast, you will make my IQ dwindle like uh, two to the power of n times, where n is the number of quantum terms and notions you will use during the conversation, for sure. So at your will see uh, see this process um let's move on to round one solution product you just started um, describing this in a uh, more general uh, terms and one uh, staying at the general level so is p equal np after all uh, nobody has proven this in neither classical nor quantum world despite the fact that there were many attempts uh, especially at quantum and claims that it is so no it's not there is no proof uh, well, I cannot say it's not. There is no proof either way. There's no proof, but proof can be found or there's still obstacles to... You, you are digging deeper, actually. Uh, there is a proof that within the realm of the known methods of proving such statements, there is no proof. I told you, this is very simple. Yeah. And, and most computer scientists like right now believe there's... This is not equal. Uh, P is not equal to NP, basically, including Scott Aronson. That of, you met. of course, yes, that, that's pretty obvious. And also he works on uh, the so-called query complexity, trying yeah. to establish the limits of what can be done in the black box model. We tried similar approach recently. In classical realm, it means that as long as the, uh, the data grows bigger, your problems get much, much harder. So if you can do, for example, optimal routing of your delivery van uh, for 20 customers, adding 21st make, makes problem about twice as, much, as complex as finding the optimal route for 20. It's not exactly two, but the something very close, one point. Something. Yeah. Look, there are lots of uh, issues and like, unanswered questions in both ma at both macro level astrophysics and, and micro level and somewhere in between as well and while preparing for this talk i came to a conclusion that probably quantum computing is a must have issue or question to work on just because of the physical limitations of the classical computing kind of um, foundations and this you know coming coming down i mean the more slower cannot grow uh, at the same rate further. So quantum is the only possibility to still develop computing abilities of the humankind. Is that so? I, I think, yes, that, that's uh, on the theoretical grounds. That's exactly this. That it will be getting to the limits of the improvements for the classical computers. And you see uh, how it affects the business globally. Um, but there is more to it, right? As long as you um, make your transistors and the gates and processors smaller, 
they're inevitably approaching the quantum limit, right? So once you uh, get current in the classical uh, transistor equals uh, to one electron passing, you are in quantum real. So it's like not only that it offers something which cannot be done classically, but you are inevitably entering that regime because of the miniaturization. Small things are quantum, in short. Yeah. And switching to your own work, why have you chosen the hardware agnostic approach? Uh, because you cannot tell what the hardware would win. I'd yes. like to, yes. uh, to make parallels between the situation with quantum computers today and the cars at the beginning of 19th and 20th century turn, right? Mm -hmm. There were cars with three wheels, there were cars with uh, four wheels, six wheels, uh, steering front, steering back, engine, wherever you wanted, right? Coal powered. Now, now yeah. every power, uh, oh, and yeah, of course, and the <laughs> uh, steam powered, the diesel, and the gasoline and electric. And now, except that we are uh, entering a, an era for the electric cars uh, just before, uh, every car looked the same. And the same okay. thing will happen with the quantum computers. There will be the optimal way of building a quantum computer, and that's what people would use. That's the optimization of the, uh, of, of the hardware. So we cannot actually uh, get wed to any of the existing technologies because they might not scale to provide the uh, ability to run relevant commercial loads. Not quite consumer level product, but uh, oh, those higher, yeah. higher level of uh, problems. Well, yeah. actually, that, that's very easy to say that the at least first and maybe next generations of quantum computers will clearly be replacing today's high performance computing with more capabilities, as you said, with mm. ability to compute what's untractable today, but also delivering more, more computing power. And that's very clear. It will be HPC and not your uh, smartwatch or something of, of that sort. So you are a hardware agnostic, but that just as a side note, um, so there are a couple of approaches to quantum computing, superconducting, IBM, Google, Intel, trapped ions, Honeywell, IonQ. Um, uh, there's, I found also spin-based silicon qubits, and an Australian company is working on that, and photonic. Do you have your own favorite in this uh, Chase? In this race, uh, from the technologies you mentioned, it will be silicon or, or germanium for that matter, for some reasons. Um, but th that's same technology, right? It will be either that or photonic ones. The full scale, I think I will bet on photonic. And we don't have very many and very big ones at that moment. There is another part of the statement which you, you uh, didn't use so far. So yes, we do work on the uh, hardware agnostic algorithms, but also a lower layer just about uh, above the quantum firmware uh, provided by others, which is uh, hardware aware implementations. And we are gaining most in, in that area, right? We are gaining so much that we were able to run com quantum computations cornerstone quantum algorithm, nobody else could in the whole world on both of those architectures. So both for the superconducting qubits on IBM Q and for Honeywell ion trap machine, we uh, achieved the actual results from the run of coveted quantum algorithm and structured search. So there's the philosopher's stone. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, technically, is the code the same, or do you have to somehow tailor may tailor uh, for each of the hardware types? As, as I said, uh, hardware aware implementations. So hardware we do aware. tailor, mm -hmm. and actually, we don't run a single algorithm. There is a bunch of them, slightly different, and the difference is subtle. It's all unstructured search and all yeah. optimal in the sense that scales as with the growing number of the search elements, elements. Yeah. it mm -hmm. scales as uh, well as the best ones probably formal mathematical proof but it uh, it's a bunch of algorithms having the same properties slightly tuned towards different implementations 
Okay. And you call your, let's say, family of uh, uh, algorithms Quasar, right? Is the main... Well, no. Quasar is just the internal tool one of our engineers wanted to open source, and he did. I'll be collaborating with the IBM stack. It's a convenient tool in a sense that you can generate code from higher level algorithm description to the particular machine. So we don't spend time doing this by hand. We just put the algorithm concept to Quasar and tell Quasar what machine it should generate, see, generate okay. code for, and it does so. Okay. So a, a, a type of a, a kind of a prism, right? That you put your algorithm oh, you, through. There's plenty of names, you know, everybody, everybody does it uh, for themselves. You, you have the, uh, but mostly this is done by hardware um, vendors, meaning they work for the particular machine with some extensions. So you have Circ for Google machines, you have yeah. Quirk for, uh, mm -hmm. well, Quirk is actually universal, but you, you, you have Kiskit, tools yeah. by the vendors, mm -hmm. Kiskit by IBM, and, uh, and everybody wants, a Forest by um, Rigetti, everybody wants to build their yeah. own, and we can, we can generate any uh, code for any of those machines directly from our stuff, because we use li libraries uh, which use proprietary techniques. We patent. We patent a lot for the future. Oh, uh, it comes okay. from the assumption, from, from our assumption about how long it would take for the commercially usable quantum computers. So it looks like it is a proper scale for working on the basics and yeah. protect our IP with patents. Uh, interesting. So a, would you say this is a very long-term kind of game? Oh, definitely. Or? It is long-term because there will be no uh, quantum computers capable of running commercial loads, uh, which can be run on today's HPC. Mm -hmm. and, and factoring in all the investments, all the like, you know, brain power to be invested into this area as well. When do you think the commercially viable applications <laughs> could million be? Million dollar question. Do you have my million dollar? I can answer. It, uh, on, on the answer to this depends very many things in, in yeah. that word, right? So um, most recent quote I've heard was 10 years. Um, when we started BAIT, I was thinking seven years and that's what we put into our um, grant application three years back i think i'm slightly more pessimistic uh, those days meaning the progress is slower because not enough people are working diligently on the hard stuff mm. everybody wants to live in the dream world and uh, of the final applications which cannot be run because there is no hardware nor the software to support them the high level concepts are, are known for chemistry for protein folding for um, catalysis but the there is a far away uh, before the uh, the actual hardware can run this and you cannot simulate that because it is hard right so that's yeah that's it's it beyond is. yeah classical what uh, abilities right <laughs> so to say yeah the, the the limit is about the uh, google experiment from two years back right yeah 50 odd qubits 50 gate depth and then you cannot do the classical simulation on, on the existing um, supercomputers Mm -hmm. IBM had different opinion on this, but they never actually run the code. Um, and yeah, we, we, the other side wasn't fully fair either, because uh, as you can imagine, the uh, Google skewed the, uh, the playing ground towards their advantage. So they essentially the machine simulated itself. Yes. Uh, no okay. classical machine can do this, but simulating itself means that there is no overhead. So the, the, they were doing the easiest experiment for Sycamore they could. And yeah, that, that's fair. That's the great achievement. But you have to, to understand that Sycamore is not really good at doing anything else. Yeah, yeah. Sycamore is uh, the Google's uh, quantum with this chandelier. Processor and, from, yeah, from, yeah. No, what you see, what, you, what your hands described is just the chiller. It's yeah. the thing which cools the superconducting chip down to millikelvins. It's very tiny. It, it looks like the normal silicon chip for, for the naked eye. Mm -hmm. As a side note, I, I, want, I, I wanted to share this with you. It seems to me that, you know, working on like 
quantum computing is like working on opening a wormhole on the astrophysical kind of level. And you, by achieving uh, viable, you know, quantum computing kind of uh, era, so to say, it's like creating, because you're working on creating a curvature in data time continuum. Do you agree? I no could way? agree if, if I follow if you if you if I follow your metaphor I, I would agree yes that that's the step improvement in the computational uh, capabilities for for the future for things really really relevant for humanity uh, mm -hmm. as a whole and, and I'm not exaggerating right if you can tell how proteins are formed how they are uh, folded to act as they act that's the the matter of life itself right. And this can be simulated on quantum computers in the future. Uh, catalysis, uh, like the nitrogen fixation, part of this stuff. We use Haber-Bosch process to produce our uh, fertilizers. Yeah. And one of three nitrogen atoms in your body uh, comes from this process. It can be tagged and it is tagged. And one of three uh, nitrogen atoms in your body comes from this process. Meaning that were it not for this process, uh, the uh, population will be smaller by one third, right? Mm -hmm. You cannot support uh, mm -hmm. more people without the fertilizer. This is an extremely expensive process. And we know for the fact that there is a better way. Certain microbes, certain uh, plants do it. We cannot yeah. replicate this. And, and our process is extremely expensive in the energy, in the pollution. So finding the better catalyst for the Haber-Bosch, or, or it would be different process, but the, for the nitrogen fixation is again something which future quantum computers will do. We know how to do them if yeah. we have a machine big enough. And that's again, extremely important, way more important than warehousing logistics and the stuff which we are, uh, optimization in general, which we are yeah, yeah. Which, which, which you are showcasing on your website as well, but I understand this is just commercially viable, like immediately commercial, commercially viable. Commercial viable we have partners stuff. actually, yeah. we have partners where we can test real stuff, right? That's uh, as opposed to hypothetically testing algorithms. So we do this stuff too, but it is the mathematical proof for the yeah. scaling for the future, but without implementation, it means nothing. So we need to have both be able to run this and yeah. show that it will scale for the future. What I like and what's promising for me as well is the material simulation. That's that's of interest as Same well. Same thing, too. but mm -hmm. you know, I, well, uh, right. uh, I, I think that's something way, way more viable, even on the near term machines. And we kept repeating that for quite some time. We have some ideas how to make that even more efficient. Uh, and this comes from the, the quote from Feynman from 80s, yeah, when he said something like, you know, the word is quantum mechanical, damn it. So if you want to simulate that, you better do this on the quantum system rather mm -hmm. than trying to do this classically with known difficulties in modeling quantum systems on the classical machines, right? So that direct simulation rather than going uh, through the long loop of the equations Yes, which are solved using quantum processor. Direct simulation seems very promising for for the applications like you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, Feynman also mentioned if you something like in the lines of if, if you think you understand quantum mechanics, you don't know enough, right? Maybe that's not the correct uh, quote, but that's the more or less the well, actually. And he continued in <laughs> saying that. Uh, you, you know, the, for physicists, it's, it's extremely funny because th that's the guy who was able to abstract uh, really hard computations in particle physics into drawing pictures, graphs, Feynman yeah. graphs, right? Yeah. So he knew exactly what he was doing. Nevertheless, uh, humbly, he said that uh, after spending like 30 years on this, sometimes I have a vague <laughs> uh, imagination how this all works or how the photo behaves actually yeah so yeah it is hard stuff it is hard stuff that luckily you can find people who have brain capacity you know uh, let, let me backtrack uh, important thing for us was hiring the right talent right uh, getting to bait is harder um, 
interviews wise than getting to Google. I can tell that I was at Google and I'm at Bates, so that's for you can take it for a fact. And finding people, so finding people is hard. Uh, nevertheless, once you do it the right way, you see that you can teach people. When we started, there were something like 80 people globally working on the algorithms for quantum computers. Yeah. Now it is like 800. But still, our engineers um, are in the top 510, usually, globally, of everybody who, yeah. who attempts or has capacity to do this. And one of the recent challenges by IBM, right? Yeah. Uh, so three of your team members finished in the top 10 out of 2000. For the second time in the row. Uh, and actually the winning solution, beating Adam's one, came kind of late. It was accepted and it's fair because it was better. But they, given more time, uh, Adam would get even better solution. Basically, yeah. they, they, it was IBM Qt Challenge, uh, yeah. and they did that for the second time in the row, placing Go. three of them placing in top 10, and yeah. they do that after hours, essentially. So after the work at Bay, they, they play with that challenges. Uh, guys, we need to repeat this again. Um, IBM uh, Quantum ch ch Challenge, right? Was the second- Quantum Challenge. Quantum Challenge, second time in a row in the top 10 of globally. globally. Yes, three uh, top 10 finalists are from Bait team. And I want to add just this thing. Uh, the total number of uh, applicants or, or contestants was 2,000. Not because this is uh, the number of all people who wanted to join. It's just IBM in, in, imposed this limit. I guess yeah. it will be like many dozens of, maybe, right? Dozens of uh, thousands. Because uh, that's an interesting... Just to illustrate the difficulty, yeah. mm -hmm. just to illustrate the difficulty, the last challenge, the hardest, Mm -hmm. uh, was attempted uh, and so, so they got any solution by uh, just 200 people globally. Um, I, I like Scott's uh, quote that I found on his blog. If just to finalize this, this part, and then there'll be one more breach and we move on. If P equals NP, then the world would be a profoundly different place than we usually assume it to be. In a nutshell, how would you explain that? That's exactly this. If P equals NP, then the whole complexity uh, hierarchy breaks down, right? And it has physical consequences. So there would be stuff happening if P equals NP at the at something which we are not ready for. Yes, the, that, that's, that's the, despite the, the easy words, it's a statement of the profoundly deep fact. The world would look differently if the complexity hierarchy collapsed, you know, j just let me backtrack. I think that your, your uh, listeners might uh, use this. Let me reverse roles for a second. Do you know what the NP means? I mean, yeah, of course, I've been preparing for this as, as, as for exam, yes. So, no, so non-deterministic, non non-deterministic- um, Polynomially bound. Polynomial, yes. So essentially, that was the early idea of modeling how the human uh, brain, brain works. Mm -hmm. Essentially, this is a class of problems where uh, your best way is, find, is, is guessing the solution. So because the calculating it is, is uh, extremely expensive, requires a lot of resources, meaning time or the computing power, especially if the, if the data set is large. But verifying the solution is much, much easier. So you verify in polynomial time, but the, yeah. that's the polynomial part. And then the non-deterministic is that it's very hard to get the uh, solution essentially by, by guessing is, is um, as good as any other uh, approach. So that's, that's NP. That's how we work. Given the, the mathematical proof, you can follow it. You, using just logic, right? But finding the first proof on unproven uh, theorem is extremely yeah. hard. Yes. And that's the, the, the P is verification. NP is finding the first proof of something unproven before. So the world would definitely look much different were it, uh, were it, uh, if P uh, equaled NP. And let's not even dive into different complexity levels. 
because I found out NP is just one of the many, many uh, yeah. uh, areas encompassed in bigger areas. And then still, uh, the, without going there, there is a, a, a on the hardness scale, not having much to do with the with the complexity classes. There are problems which have been solved efficiently, meaning in polynomial time in respect to the input size on quantum computers. And there is no solution so far, or there will never be a solution in the classical world. One of them is factoring and it yeah. is linked to the RSA uh, internet encryption, essentially. Speaking of so, yeah, speaking of RSA, by the way, if 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 quantum era comes, quantum computing era comes, would you say? I mean, we focus on the positive side, um, but I think just as the nuclear physicist had to be responsible of, of thinking of the negative side of uh, their uh, discoveries and uh, and advances, um, do you sleep well? Do you understand if you are successful in the whole like like community of quantum? computing players are correct and you achieve what you're you know longing for there might be good things but then you know this is a tool that can be used for bad stuff as and, well and uh, hacking bitcoin only, one thing <laughs> it's not only about the future yes. actually the frequently overlooked part is i have nothing to by, by the way you, you asked the personal question i have nothing to hide um i'm the Netizen for like 30 years, I, I worked on the first internet connections in Poland uh, because they were done by physicists to connect to CERN. Uh -huh. So okay. um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that whatever I put out or into the computer which is connected to the net is public information from that moment on. Uh, so I'm very careful what can be available on any of my machines which are connected to the net. But once there, I'm completely free. I, I don't care much because I did the selection earlier. So uh, having said this, uh, there is frequently overlooked uh, area of that. There is a bunch of people spending big money now on storing everything they can find on the web with the idea of uh, collect now, decrypt later. A lot, a lot of stuff which many people would not like to go public is stored in an encrypted form or transferred in an encrypted form. And those secrets will still need to be secrets like 20 years from now. And there are people who are storing those data in the hope that they will break the encryption which protects them, uh, yeah. namely RSA with the, with the quantum computers. So what seems to be classic like in classically secure quantum quantum wise will be easy to crack that's what i want to well, say and we can change use, the past if you use, it's i wouldn't make such a general statement because there exist uh methods now of the classical encryption which will be hard for quantum computers too so you can go into the particular applications of the elliptic curve based encryption and you will be safe. Uh, th there is no known way of breaking them efficiently with quantum computers. Nevertheless, uh, the, the more simpler uh, encryption patterns are easily uh, broken by either RSA or by the brute force attack using something which we are working on, like the Groover's unstructured search. Yeah. So without any information, you find the right thing and then verify that it is the right thing. So you find the key. And you know it is a key because it decrypts the, the data. So that's high time you want to say to future proof or to quantum proof your data if you are what government or big corporates or any other uh, individuals or, or bodies or organizations with high level data sensitivity, right? Don't make it available on the web in any form, encrypted or not. So is it uh, what a, a, a flight back to paper, you want to say? No, uh, you just don't <laughs> need to plug your machine to the, to the web, right? So local, local storage. Wow. Yeah. Secrets should be kept local. And actually, there are many organizations which work that way. So guys, here is a, here is a security uh, alert from one of the frontliners of quantum computing, basically advising everybody to go back to local storage. 
if well, you want if, to be if safe. You, if you have that yes. kind of the need, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't care if, if anybody uh, gets my password for my bank uh, since 20 years back. I couldn't care less. True, right? true. Yes. The, the, they might be stuff which will be important uh, when it can be decrypted. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wojtek, make a breach, please. From what we discussed right now, all the pluses and, and you know, pros and cons, benefits and, and disadvantages of uh, quantum computing to what you are doing, to the algorithms that you are working on. We are, we actually, we're uh, bored with the theoretical work in a sense that uh, it's easy to talk about the algorithms. There were not that many, it, it's hard, right? But we wanted to make sure that our ideas can be implemented. So there is no better way than to go like with the proper induction proof in mathematics, right? Let's do something, step one, let's show that it works. And then let's prove that from the fact that you can run it for n, it follows that you can run it for n plus one. If you have those two things, you have something which will be used in the future because it will scale with the growing capacity of quantum computers. That I was see. the dream. Mm -hmm. There were plenty of technical details. There were plenty of machines we tried and there were final implementations this year. After two and a half years, nine patents. By the way, Google has 89 uh, patent applications. We have nine. We are in this business for three years. They are for at least 13 and you know, they, they resources are much, much bigger than ours. And it was us who were able to actually make that happen on both IBM Q platform for superconducting qubits and then on Honeywell, uh, which was uh, several times bigger than what we were running on IBM. Uh, yeah. So, so here's, a, here's another uh, kind of uh, news alert. Uh, Bait beats Google by per capita patents uh, received oh, or on. applied for. <laughs> by <laughs> far, by far, by far. Please cancel this. Please cancel. No, well, may, maybe not by per capita, right? I think I I, I don't have any insider uh, info, but I think that the quantum computing group is something like hundred people. So per capita, we might be even, but other resources taken into account, definitely not. But we do patent, we do patent and we, we make sure that our patents are relevant in a sense that if you have something which uh, makes sure that you can run commercial loads like two, three years earlier and it is not dependent on the hardware and you can prove that it will be holding, that, that dependency will be holding in the future, you have something of value and that's the value we are building in this company. Our IP, there is nothing else. Yeah. We don't have any any other product. It is just the IP of making the quantum world happening like three years sooner than for everybody else. Wojtek, let's move on to round two competitors in a nutshell. Who would you say are your strongest two, three competitors in how you, I mean, how are you better and how can, how do you beat them now? Actually, you know, there is something which, which I like to say, the, the Metcalf's law. There is a cutthroat competition between uh, hardware vendors. Yeah. It, it's ugly. It is ugly. It is happening. You, you can hear from the tone of commenting each other's achievements, right? Uh, across the board. There is much more collaboration in the software world. I hope it will stay that way. And the, our biggest competitors are those who are diligently working on the details rather than the future potential applications. So I would name Q-Control from yeah. uh, Australia and I'll name the uh, QCWare, slightly higher uh, position on, in, on, this, on the uh, software stack. I would name uh, CQC from the UK and not many others. There are many other quantum computing software companies, but I would name as our competitors, those guys, luckily, we occupy slightly different layers of the software stack. So we can actually combine our solutions and go to the customer uh, together. So collaborate rather than uh, 
there is an overlap. There is an overlap when we do compete, right? But the, there is a, a added value from combining uh, our developments in, in those different layers of the, of the software stack. Is this complementarity with your competition um, a part of your design or is it just by chance? Uh, both. So ah, when okay. we knew where everybody else is, we either decided on competing head on and, and show that we are stronger. Or when we saw that there is a potential for collaboration, we reached out and we spoke and then decided on something which benefits uh, benefits both sides. Right. So, for example, we will never be selling uh, quantum uh, compiler, despite Quasar being able to run with anything, as with other software. Have you ever heard of the recent compiler for any language which is sold for money? No, there, there, there is no such a thing, right? Because it's relatively easy to write, low barrier to entry, and everybody needs it. And, and engineers generally love uh, improving stuff they know can be built. So there is, I think there is more quantum uh, computing compilers than there is quantum computing companies those days. There are some <laughs> which have more than one. Ah, okay. So we'll never never compete with ticket of CQC, despite if you, if you go to the optimization, our code produces shorter quantum circuits so you, they, they can be run easier but yeah it, it just doesn't matter it's, it's not the it's not the advantage mm -hmm. okay um yeah I, I just hope it stays that way because now it's very early in the market and there is a lot of hype a lot of companies which just they sell vaporware and those few uh, who are actually doing real stuff uh, should work to make the pie bigger. It is Metcalf's law, right? The, yeah. the, the, the network is as strong as the square number of, of, of the number of the participants if they, if they exchange information. So that's perfect model, right? We should be working together to make the pie bigger because it's very early stage. We can compete head on down the road, not, not today. Yeah, yeah, to, make, to, to bake the cake, a bigger cake quicker, you want to say, right? Yeah, that, that's 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 essentially an, in a nutshell uh, wow. what we what we think we should be doing, and many have that attitude. So we work, we we talk, and we work with many of the big players. And it's easy, you know, when somebody says that they have quantum idea, I'm just checking not the credentials but the merits, and it's very easy to get acquainted with the companies we never spoke to if we just point them to our publications. It's the return is immediate. Yeah, they see that we are for real, uh, just like they are, because we are not reaching out to any others. So so that's easy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, caught, I caught myself thinking um, this, this kind of fratern scientific fraternity kind of uh, feeling, right, or atmosphere, is it be just because it's too early still for the- I think it is, and partially it is- Commercially it is, minded- it is, Sharks? So, so. I think it is one thing, it is early. And the other thing is that most of those startups have some sort of the academic background, right? Those are people who left academia or are still in academia and doing the quantum startup. There are very few people outside of the academia really understanding, uh, understanding quantum to the point that they can start their company delivering something of value. So there's the cutoff line, right? I think there without, is a cutoff. Without, there is very high entry uh, entry cost uh, at that stage, but it is just intellectual in the sense that the the team has to have the brain capacity to deal with this, and that's the that that comes with uh, the academic credentials usually. Vojtek, let's move on to round three: companies' ups and downs. What's the biggest success by now of uh, uh, Bait? Oh, very clearly, world best result for unstructured search, being invited to the conference where the speaking spot costs something like $100,000. We never paid. We never paid previously. We, ne we were invited. And um, we were invited to 2018 conference with the results on the D-Wave. And uh, this year, we are invited to Q2B with the results on Honeywell people recognize the, our contribution to that point. What about the biggest failures? Well, many. Uh, 
just not the ones related to external kind of uh, uh, situations and uh, impacts and so on, where you made a mistake as a co-founder, CEO, maybe? That's a good question. Uh, the most recent one, when I made a mistake, I think we didn't have patience or we didn't negotiate hard enough on the valuation at our last round, right? We, we lost too much of the company to investors. We could have done better. Wow, that's a revelation. How, well, how come? How come? You know, many you people do that, especially yes. in Poland. And I'm just a side note uh, with my uh, CEO and co-founder at Bait. Uh, we are also running a Polish deep tech uh, VC fund. Yeah. We are actually yeah. running four different funds yeah. because we are pissed off with the with the VC world here. I'm I'm very open about this, right? So those. Uh, I think that we will not be losing the control, three of the co-founders of the company for next two rounds. But still, I think that we gave out too much and it was very easily attributable mistake. It was my mistake. I just didn't pay attention to our initial save from the CDL, which had a, a, a cap which uh, worked against us at the round because the round was much higher than at a much higher valuation than the, than the, the safe. Interesting. We'll cover funding a little bit later. Um, uh, but as far as your own uh, uh, admitting to this mistake, what do you think you might, might have done differently? Uh, we shouldn't be accepting money from CDL. We should go through the acceleration. Uh, in Toronto, it was great. We got a, a lot from this and we still corroborate. Just letting you a small secret, most likely will open. Uh, that, that's actually funny. We are incorporated in the US, Delaware okay. company, yeah, yeah. who fully owns Polish R&D site. That's the model I worked on for many years and Google, Motorola and others. That's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we'll also have a, a subsidiary in Toronto, Canada, and we are just in the process of setting this up. So it will be truly international in that respect at at least three locations. So that's the result of our work with uh, CDL. And that's that's how we how we want to, to run this company. So we, we are pretty international at this stage. We could have played that better. What's the lesson for, you know, fellow startup founders? Uh, I mean, in a nutshell, it's a very general thing to say we could have done better. Yes, but how exactly? What to get second no, I, I, second I opinion? Clear, right? the, and when when talking to our portfolio startups who are also deep tech, I'm just coaching them on avoiding the mistakes we made. Right. So, for example, when I learned that it might be getting public pretty soon, one of our portfolio startups is going for the financing round sometimes next year and they just closed the safe and I made sure that their safe doesn't have the close which uh, made us uh, I see. lose equity uh, uh, so, so they are better than us in that respect so that, that's, that's very clear avoid um, people wanting you to sign 200 pages long uh, investment agreements it's, it's just wrong, right? It means that there is a bunch of lawyers uh, making money of yeah. those startups. The, the money for the startup should yeah. go for the development of their core product, not for the legal fees, and so on and so forth. And so the conclusion would be more focusing on what industry investors, I mean, or industry... Uh, no, um, just not knowing the, the matters, industry, right? Yeah. We haven't taken the industry investor yet, but the, the thing is that when you speak about the things that matter rather than the contracts and what mm. happens if you fail, what happens if the valuation goes down, that's important for some of the VCs. It's not important for the real ones who, who know how the mathematics of the VC investing works. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't care whether as a, uh, as a, uh, legal uh, penalty i'm getting 100 percent of the company which is worth exactly zero and yeah. that's what, what the contract will do mm -hmm. so focus on the matter J just the anecdote uh, when we were going for the past round there yeah. was just one vc which wanted to have a look at our code i found it amazing everybody else just trusted our word and that that was nothing wrong with this 
but only one had the capacity to check whether uh, we are um, doing proper software engineering, quantum or not, rather than trusting the third party, because that's how it happens many times, or ignoring the problem altogether, right? Instead, focusing on the lengthy legal document yeah. uh, with tons of traps inside. It's, it's, just, it's just this, right? So if mm -hmm. you are doing deep tech, make sure that you have investors who understand deep tech. And you speak the same, they speak your language, not that you speak the language of their lawyers, yes. Exactly. And the, the lawyers right. have their place, right? We, being American company, we and quantum being a protected technology, we went under CFIUS uh, limitations. This is the uh, what's that? set of, set of uh, acts. Mm -hmm. of the US, which limit transfer of the cutting edge technology uh, yes, for okay. W use or military use uh, technology and quantum is in that area, right? Definitely. Yeah. So being registered in Delaware, it, it was funny, actually, because the US government didn't want us to take on UK based investors because they were not American. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we never set food in the US, right? We were we are doing that from from Krakow. Again, there's a formal uh, reason to try and push you, so they will use it, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Interesting. And, and then you know, th then you talk to legal, to to uh, lawyers in Washington, and then you talk to lawyers of your investor, and you have your own lawyers, but it's kind of different conversation than than what usually happens in Poland. Yeah, yeah, we have not touched on. The wonderful combination of uh, quantum computing and military uh, uh, applications of course that's an, a topic for a completely different uh, conversation probably but definitely there will be lots of power power games around this space right you bet let's move on to round four and i, I hope this will be um, a breeze for you uh, team you have the best team in the world basically i think so yeah, three uh, co-founders with uh, very deep academic roots, um, Paulina Mazurek, uh, yourself, Wojciech Burkot, and you have also Witold uh, Jarnicki, uh, all have experience in, I mean experience, um, lots of years spent in the academia world. Uh, what about the rest of the team? Because it's easy to find out details about your uh, yourself and your co-founders. What about the rest of the team? Um, what's the labor division between them uh, and how are you uh, come on uh, and, and that's something yet again you know the, i see tons of startups really focus on building structure who is in product who is in the development who is in the quality assurance who is leading the whole thing who is legal guys the experience from and, and you quote our academic credentials but i think that what shaped us was eight years together at google uh, in the roles from the individual contributors to engineering director to program manager that 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 were our roles at google so we follow a lot what we learned there uh, and that what shapes our team so uh, take it from me if you have a team of 10 people you should be ignoring any structure it's just a waste of time your time and the time of your people it, it just doesn't serve any useful purpose so we have uh, let, let's say 13, 11 are engineers doing technical work. I'm doing technical work. My people would kick me in the ass if I didn't, right? So I, my name is on some of the patents. My name is on some of the publications. We do it together. And there is no need for the structure. Yes, there are people who have uh, more focus on mathematics, so they check the proofs, right? There are people who are more comfortable to uh, writing the patent description, so they write patents. And those roles are, th those are just roles. So we switch. If we change projects, somebody else will be doing this stuff and we swap roles. So that's, you don't need structure for such a small team. You would die were it not for Paulina, who is dealing with all the external world, who insists on papers, signatures, Excel sheets, and yeah. the, the stuff of this nature and the help uh, of the admin uh, who takes care of, of dealings with the NCBR, for example, and, and so on and so forth. Everybody mm -hmm. else, 11 out of 13 are doing technical work and the, any division in the team of 11 is just useless. 
as far as resources you need for companies like Bates, what, you need just what brain power and combine in, di in different uh, uh, architectures, so to say. Brain power and what we need to prove that we are delivering the, the real thing rather than snake oil, access to the real hardware. And again, you know, the, the just uh, I let you, so it's interesting, I, I'll let you a, a small secret. Many of the companies allowing us to run our stuff on their hardware originally claimed uh, the IP to whatever we run there. And you know, many startups will be stoked to, to be able to be on the publication list uh, of the author list for the publication with Google or IBM or whoever. And we walked from those deals and they came back with different terms. So we are keeping our IP despite running our stuff on their machines. It is tough for a small startup to uh, deal on equal terms with the large corporate. And again, our experience from the corporate world uh, helps us find the right way to, to make that happen. And again, that's, that's some revelation, some news. <laughs> we jump from one news making uh, item to another. Just, just to make sure everybody understands, guys, the regular terms is that all the hardware, I mean, quantum hardware kind of vendors and providers, they force you sign, I mean, agree to, to terms that whatever you do on their uh, uh, machines, if you don't pay for that, you lose all the IP, all the IP well, rights. Lose is maybe an exaggeration. It, it's you never much them. more nicely, but eventually <laughs> you let them use that without paying you anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so bait, I understand, thanks to uh, Wojciech, uh, uh, to a big part as well, uh, agreed different terms and you can, you can use the hardware without uh, compromising the IP that you are in. But, but you know, it, it was a bet. I, I wasn't sure that we will win. We just walked from the discussion when we heard we cannot be, that, that's a quote, and I will not name the person who was saying that. I hope he will listen again because I keep repeating this just for him. We cannot be held hostage to anything which can improve our computers. That's what he said. And I, that was the moment when I walked out from the conversation uh, of, of the partnership. It would be great from, from the PR perspective, announcing the, our partnership with the big player. No, we are not going to pay with the IP for the PR stunt. Yes, interesting. For the short term, yeah, short-term gain and, and yeah. not even gain, ego stroking, right? More or less. Ego stroking, yes. Wow, interesting. With this little uh, sensation, let's move on to round five. We covered a little bit, but anyways, we have a um, separate round for this. Uh, we call this Formula F3, Funding for the Future. And just to help you with the, uh, coming to the status quo where we are right now, I understand your funding history by now is around um, 1.5 um, euro seed, seed round. And before that, a ground, grant of around 2. Point, what was that? Two, 2 million euros, right? So altogether, somewhere 4, 4.5 million euros. Well, you should add something like 80k for uh, from the accelerator. Uh, the, we, we took the, the safe, which converted the round. And yes, more or less, except for this 80k uh, from the seed, it's more or less what happened. We got some other grants for covering our IP, you know, patenting in the US okay. costs money. So we, yeah. we are we got another grant, the small grant contributing towards this. It's like 400K Polish uh, and that's so far, that's it. And you did manage to attract investors, not only from US, as you mentioned, they were trying to uh, limit you somehow, uh, also from UK and Canada, right? Uh, we do have the Bloomberg, we have Canadian um, investors, we have CDL as the partial owner via their Spectrum 24. We have Firebolt, the great yeah. guys from uh, Silicon Valley. We have Kindred, who is our lead investor. We have Manta Ray, and we have a bunch of high-profile uh, angel investors, including Charlie Sunhurst, from, originally from IBM, uh, from Microsoft. Yeah. 
What's the plan for the next year uh, in terms of um, investment? Funding. Yeah, funding. Do you need no, anything? We are, we are pretty scrappy uh, and we don't pay for access to the machines and we don't pay for conferences because we get invited. So we have a runway depending on, on something. Oh, one more thing important in, in hiring, which is related. Uh, we hire every talent we can lay our hands on. If we find somebody who is better than us, we hire him and we'll adjust the runway to the person because this oh, is wow. a real okay. capital at this okay. stage. Uh, never hiring freeze. If we find somebody capable, better mm. than us, he'll get hired if he wants. In a nutshell, uh, uh, Wojciech, what's the hiring process then to your company? Mostly it starts with recommendation. We didn't yes. have much success with any other path except for some really bright Canadian some time ago. Mm -hmm. Then you have two independent interviews, uh, testing math skills. It, they don't touch on quantum unless they explain you what they mean by quantum. And then they might be something which is mathematical question, a puzzle or the equation to solve efficiently and, and stuff like this. Two independent of those, and then recommendation to the hiring committee. We talk, we check whether there is a fit. We never go for uh, the hiring manager assessment because we don't have a hiring manager. We never go for the soft skills because we are all kind of crazy. So testing for craziness doesn't make much sense. It will be more crazy when we get the next good person. So uh, then there is a recommendation and we made an offer. And that's an ongoing process, right? I mean, hiring. this is an ongoing process. We never stop. Okay, great. Um, so you were saying about but, runway and the investment yeah. plans for the so, next. So yeah, I, I broke because I, I've seen the, sure, uh, sure, the dependency on mm -hmm. the, on the, on the actual staffing. Uh, and that's why I can give you just a range. Uh, we had a runway till August or December, depending on how many people we hire in the meantime. Uh, and so we'll be closing the round sometime first uh, half of next year. Okay. Any, any uh, um, you know, criteria of the fund that you can share or expectations in terms of who, oh, the, yeah, the, how much? We are happy with Kindred and, and you know, they, they follow something which we follow in Bitspiration Booster, the fund which we founded with uh, Paulina and others. You mean as LP? That we don't lead two uh, rounds in the row. You know, it's easy to cheat on your investors if you are leading two rounds because essentially you are buying the investors from the first round, the smaller fund, with the money of the follow-on investors from the second fund. We never do this and they okay. never do this. So we'll need a new lead investor. Most likely it will be an investor from either US or Canada. We, we haven't decided yet. We have offers from uh, those locations. Big recognized funds uh, known for the deep tech investment and with contacts uh, which, we, which we need. Mm hmm okay so you're you're all set up as far as the next investment round okay we it looks like the from the initial dec declarations you know we, we are speaking december right and the round will be sometime first half next next year we have our subscription now so yeah depending on how much money we we really want it will be subject to negotiations but we are yeah. not short of the willing investors Roger, that's been a great chat i'm sure we could go on forever but let's keep to let's stick to the scenario and we are now uh, over with the rounds that we have for this chat uh, having in mind this is what second half of december already that when we're recording this uh, do you have any wishes uh, to the uh, audience in poland europe or globally well, in, in, in Poland, I really encourage uh, the good deep, deep tech startups. You know, it, it's funny when you have when you are running cutting edge technology startup and you have to compete against the your portfolio startup when you are wearing the other hat, right? They are doing exactly huge strides as we do in different areas. And I'm really pleased with this. So if you are doing deep tech, you are a small startup doing deep tech, we can help. We are deep tech, we understand deep tech, we invest in deep tech, and we are 
uh, yeah, I should cut here. We, we are kind of different, in, not only in the understanding, but also in the financial terms. We are not trying to rob you of the, of the equity in, in your company. So here's Wojciech Burkot uh, wearing his investor hat right now, inviting uh, deep tech startups to, uh, for a coffee, right? For a coffee. Yeah, let's talk. If you have cool technology, we are always interested. Wojciech, thanks a lot. Thank you, Alex, very much. Thank you very thanks. much. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Today, I want to finish this podcast on a more serious note. I think quantum computing is a realm for few to fully comprehend and for the very few to develop and evolve. And my personal conviction and hope is that we, the humankind, we have to finance and to support the crazy ones to cover the road. Even if the final destination is a dead end, I'm dead sure that the byproducts will justify the efforts and resources. Listen to the very relevant final lines of a poem by Robert Frost, Roads Not Taken. I think these lines very much are the motto for what people are doing in quantum computing right now. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. That's all for today. Bye-bye. <laughs>